How much time do you want for your progress? Progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and B.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. All right, today is December the 22nd, I believe. It is the... Longest day of the year in the Southern Hemisphere, I believe, and the shortest day of the year in the Northern Hemisphere. Greetings, Dr. Hayes. Why don't you greet the people today? Well, greetings to all. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Sun is shining. There's a nice crisp rustling of the wind, and everybody's doing what everybody has been doing doing and things are just going along well i hope we're not caught up in the hustle and bustle of this capitalistic season i just want to say a few things and then something that was just off the top of my head i think that when we when we see what is happening in the in the middle east and and granted that the birth of jesus Really, the date to celebrate it is is really in the Orthodox tradition, the Eastern Orthodox tradition of January 6th, when the Magi brought the the gifts, um, um, and we call that Epiphany. And so I just want to put that there. But uh, the December 25th uh, really fit neatly into the Greco-Roman calendar, the Gregorian calendar, if you will, where we have uh, January to December to consolidate and and our origins of of this chronological space was based on how uh Dionysus Esagias decided that civilization began with the establishment of the city of Rome so that was determined to be the first century and that's interesting because then you negate even the birth of Jesus <laughs> That happened under a tyrant named King Herod, who ruled around uh, six before the Common Era, something like that, four to six before the Common Era. Uh, So how then can we even celebrate Jesus if the (laughs) origins of civilization, according to the tradition, happened with the establishment of the city of Rome? Jesus wasn't born in the first century is all I want to put into the context. And then we get this whole idea of holly and evergreens that was gifted by the Germans, uh, the the tr- Christmas trees and all of that. Nice little December twenty fifth. It's cute to package for capitalism, and the beauty is, Doctor Hayes. I like I like the joy of Christmas. I don't care when it's celebrated. I celebrate the joy of Christmas year round, not just in this particular day. And and even though. I'm I'm 55 years old. I still believe in Santa. I like that jolly old 
good Saint Nicholas who decided to disperse this love in the world that was so horrible. Um, and I think that we should allow our children to believe in Santa. I think that's the first level of beginning of, of a faith, if you will, of this gift that God gives us that keeps on returning. And I'm saying all that to say that when we think about what's happening in Palestine and looking at the, the baby born in a manger, it's almost true to form because Jesus was born into a world that was filled with Roman occupiers, Lord Jesus. He was Jew born into a world of imperialism and fighting. And his mama Mary had to flee to another part of Africa for two years to save her son. Lord, have mercy. And so when we think about um, this guy who we call the savior of the world, this embodiment, the word that was made flesh, the word of these traditions that that um, kept it to the letter of the law rather than embodying what God's intentionality was. This historical figure embodied this unconditional love, born in this manger area with mess and poo-poo and all that stuff. And, um, and then he still, even with all the strikes against him, still lived for us by precept and example for about 33 years of his life because the government killed him. Just like some of our radical revolutionaries, as um, Fred Hampton said, you can kill the revolution, revolutionary, but you can't kill the revolution. So this revolution of Jesus, this peasant revolution, is still gives us hope for how God... I hope wants us to be as one great humanity. So that was a long intro. Go ahead, Dr. Hayes. My sister told me to quit asking you to say something if I'm going to not let you say it. So I'm going to pause for the Ditike, the teacher. Come on, Doc. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know where you want me to start, but uh, that, was a, that was a very uh, powerful explanation of how we got to where we are. And I, I just, as you were talking, I was thinking how regardless of what age into which you were born, there will always be the spirit of justice afoot in the world. That somehow in the hearts of humankind, there is a love for justice. And we are always seeking that place uh, where everybody has the opportunity to explore life and to become all that is within one to become. And the freedom that is necessary in order for us to explore those possibilities. Um, also, the free flow of information and education. I, I see, I see this horrendous effort to block the truth, to limit education, and to in, in, infuse the minds of young people 
a set of false beliefs, false history, uh, false ideals about who is better or bigger or more deserving of life than someone else. What a contradiction. Everyone is entitled to live the life that has been extended to them for as long as it is within them to continue. I think we all were born with a certain number of days known to some unknown being. But to us, it's one day at a time. And we should be able to live one day at a time in a way that allows us to be free to explore and to experiment and and to um, create because we were created to create. And so that creative spirit within all of us ought to be allowed freedom. And so many in the world want to box us in to some prescribed way of being and doing and dressing and talking and whatever else you can think of. That That is not the intention of the creator. And the evidence of that is hidden within the individual. Dr. Hayden. I'm going to stop there. Well, and and here's the thing. Um, When I think about this, um, I I think when I see, and and this is the beauty, I'm just, I'm all over the place because I think that Jesus has been hijacked. Jesus the Christ. Jesus literally means Savior. The Christ is the anointed one. And he never really referred to himself. I mean, Jesus Christ, Christ ain't his last name. In other words, he didn't have no surname. The brother was that bad. He was just called Jesus. But everybody wanted a Jesus. You know, that was a Savior. And so in the, I believe, if I remember, church history or or um, the the traditions, if you will, the rabbinic traditions of of, of uh uh, uh, Judaism, um, they, they were always aspiring to have a deliverer like Moses again. And so aspirationally, their hope was that a deliverer would come, but that deliverer has not manifested itself. And I'm saying all that to say in the monotheistic traditions, our connectors, we all have the same, the, the first five books of all of our traditions, the, the Torah, the, the Christian Bible, if you will, and the Quran have the same stories. And it veers off with this idea of soteriology or savior. And so in Judaism, there is this hope that a, a, that a deliverer would come once again. Christianity believes that Jesus is that deliverer that was promised or prophesied as of old. And with, um, uh, with Islam, Jesus is the forerunner of the prophet Muhammad. And so in, in all of these traditions, there is this reference and understanding of this historical Jesus. Even within Hinduism, Jesus is seen as a rabbi amongst the, the teachers and the gods like everybody else. There's this wisdom and mysticism that this historic Jesus Offers And so we've got Hinduism and certainly Buddhism as a byproduct of Hinduism. And we see this enlightenment. That's what the Buddha 
uh, offers and Jesus in the vein of Buddha uh, gives this enlightenment or this epiphany and this, this peaceable nature, this whole maybe eco theology that, that Buddha embodies the, the sanctity of all life forces, if you will. And even um, for, for agnosticism, those who, who doubt, all of this stuff of not knowing ways of understanding God could even lean on the precepts and examples of this person in history. And an atheist could even look at this historical figure, no doubt, who was a human, fully human. Um, but here's the thing that, that as you talk about this justice piece, I don't think that any of our traditions have this linkage to this incredible human being who literally suffered under Pontius, Pontius Pilate, you know, the, the, that represented this governmental structure, um, who came into this space with this ethos of peace and, and goodwill towards everybody, not this whole segregation that was historic this the segregational context was was gifted by the greeks who set up literally a hierarchical structure this class system that we still use today and the romans kept that that structure that the greeks embodied to have the the peasants if you will supporting the elites and and Jesus gave us this idea of this reversal, as you were saying, everybody should have access. And this was the egalitarian nature of this person. And all of the major leaders of every tradition have somehow said the same stuff yet and still today. We want to keep this divisive stuff and, and we see this perception of power to lord it over folks and this is so not what this whole um walk of life is all about what what good is it if i got a bunch of presents under my tree and i step outside and there are people sleeping under a tree that don't make sense to me um well you can't you yeah uh that could we can't save the whole world and i i i would rather not forfeit my my joy in the moment because it is not the joy that someone else might experience and and a lot of times we even in our most empathetic moments we are being divisive we're saying those folk out there those people living out there are somehow destitute Maybe some of them are. Maybe some of them aren't. Maybe some of them chose to be where they are. But I think that even among them, among the so-called outcasts, there is a camaraderie. We talk about it all the time. That that they have joy among themselves. And uh, my critique would only be at someone who would seek to di- disrupt that camaraderie, that joy among equals, that joy that that people who want to be with each other experience. That's all I'm saying. Don't don't disrupt my joyful moments 
uh, find your own. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's not the correct way to, to think and feel, but I just think that there are many people, again, in the world who choose to live differently, and I think they ought to be free to do that. Now, if they've been dispossessed or denied uh, certain things that are required for life, I think that should be remedied. But you can't, you, you, you really can't. Say what makes people happy. They have to tell you. So am I wrong? Tell me, uh, Dr. Cooper. Yeah, I um, I, I believe it. And so you're, re- you're reminding me in this liturgical season in which we find ourselves, this Advent season, where the first Sunday was all about hope. The second Sunday was peace. The third Sunday was joy. And this fourth Sunday that is coming up, Christmas Eve that we are calling it, uh, how it is falling, is about love. And so maybe, just maybe, this is a way for us to not, as Paulo Freire says, not get in this missional mindset to think that I can do good by throwing my change to somebody without asking that person, rather than seeing them as objects of missions, let them be subjects in their own story. And I hear you loud and clear, Dr. Hayes. Sometimes we superimpose a Western context or even an Eastern context to say, oh, pitiful so-and-so, so-and-so. But this joy that we have, the world didn't give it. And the world can't take it away. What Jesus say, make my joy complete. Um, and I think everybody, everybody sh- should be considered special. E- everybody is special because they're unique. And in that uniqueness, there's a special quality that only that individual possesses. And when we learn to connect with that and to uh, uh, appreciate that, then we really understand the common human experience. It's that individual person that has been allowed to fully express themselves in whatever and in every way that they are who they are. And I think the problem in the world is that we keep trying to deny that. And, and believe by, by some stretch, or, or maybe we've been taught that people who are going to be, quote unquote, acceptable have to fit into a particular mold or mode of being. I, I, I reject that. I resist that. And so all I can do in my daily life is appreciate each person as they come along. As they enter the space where I am, I can freely share with them because they have extended themselves to share with me. And I think this season, where we pause in the human family, those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we pause to take note that someone left the comfort and the glory 
that they possessed in order to enter into our space among the dispossessed, among the so-called poverty-stricken, among the common people, to say that God is big enough to indwell the smallest thing and the least of these are still creatures that possess not only the image of God but the spark, the spirit that creativity, the potential to become and to make and to create and we must step back from each other in awe that each person has something that will make our lives better. Oh, well, Ashe and amen. That's all I got, Dr. Hayes. And so it is. And so it is. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.